This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Becoming a Christian is like the metamorphosis of a butterfly. It hadn't always been a butterfly, and a Christian has not always been a Christian. You see, the day you became a Christian, you became a new creature, a new a, a, a new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Apostle Paul even said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Well, now that I am a new creature, what about my life? Well, that, we want to think about that today, and we want to think about this su subject, now that I'm saved, now that I'm that new person, now that I'm saved, what then? Please stay tuned. I'm Billy Lambert. I'm the regular speaker on Getting to Know Your Bible. And I am just happy that you're watching today, and I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that today now that I'm saved. I hope that you can say that. And if not, I hope before we get through, you can say that I want to be saved. I want to be a child of God. I want to be a Christian. I want to go to heaven one day. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course and in order that you might know more about the course and how to receive it, we're going to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. Now today I'm going to be reading from the book of Titus, the third chapter, beginning in verse number 3. For we ourselves were also sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Now that I'm saved, what then? Well, before I think about the what then, the, before I think about what now, let's think about the past. If I'm saved, I've got a past. And Paul talks about that past in verse 3. In times past, he said, we were foolish. And a man is a foolish man who doesn't believe in God. Psalms chapter 14 and verse 1 says, the foolish man has said in his heart, there is no God. A man is foolish who will not build his life upon the rock, the solid rock 
of Jesus and His Word, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. So he said we were foolish. He said we were disobedient. This is what our past consisted of. We were disobedient people, meaning that there was a, we cast the law of God aside, that, that we lived an obstinate life, that they, we, there was rejection in our life. That is, we rejected everything that was high and holy. And then we were guilty of sins of the flesh. Now those are the kinds of things that you can put your finger on. Uh, sins of the flesh. You know, Peter talked about sins of the flesh in 1 Peter chapter 2 and 11 when he said that we are to abstain from fleshly lust that war against the soul. Well, these are things that were warring against the soul. He said we were serving divers' lust and pleasures. And so those are things that were of the body that, that you could stick your finger on. But they were also, we were also guilty of sins of the disposition. We were serving, we were living lives of malice and envy and hateful, jealousy and the like. We were hateful and we were hating one another. Now those are sins that you cannot put your finger on because they're sins of attitude. They're sins that we have in our hearts that may not be openly manifest. I believe the elder brother in Luke 15 was guilty of those sins of attitude. You know, the younger brother went off into far country and wasted his substance and riotous living. And then he came back and the father told the servants, I want you to kill the fatted calf, and let's make merry because my son is back home. And the elder brother, the older brother, was out in the field when he came near the house. He heard music and dancing, and, he, and they were rejoicing because this boy was back home. And the Bible says in Luke 15 he was angry and he would not go in. Number, rule number one, there was anger in his heart. Then he told his father, he said, You never have, I've never left home, but you never killed a calf and make merry with me, envy in his heart. You see, those are sins of the heart. And then he never could refer to his brother as his brother. That he, which is, he said, he's come home, and, and you're making merry. Well, and I've never been allowed to do that. And he was breaking his father's heart right then. And he was just as far away from home right then as the, as the prodigal son was when he left and went off into the hog pen. He had sins of the heart, sins of the disposition. And so those are sins that can cause us to be lost. But what about our portion today? In verses 4 through 6, Paul talks about our portion. He says, but after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. He talks first of all about the love of God. And I wish there was a way that I really knew how to talk about God's love. So that I could touch the hearts of men and women throughout all the world about how much God really loves them. I, the best I can do is tell you what the Bible says. For God so loved the world that, that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I, I don't know that we've ever really appreciated as we should the great love of God. But God commends His love toward us. 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were not very lovely people, He died for us. Even when we were living broken lives, we were, God loved us. Even when we were living in the pig pen, God loved us. Even when we were living lives of, as, as maybe some kind of an addict or, or some kind of a, a person addicted to some, some other thing, that God still loves us. See, see, people like that are prone to think that nobody loves them anymore. And it may be their families are turned against them, but I want you to know if you're watching this telecast right now and you're living like that today, that God loves you and God wants to help you. God wants to change you. God wants to save you. And God wants you to be his child and he wants you to go to heaven when this life is over. So the love of God appeared. And he said that he, he saved us. Well, how did he save us? He saved us not by works of righteousness, which we have done. There are not, a good, not enough good things that I could ever do to put God in debt to Billy so that God in heaven would owe me salvation. I just can't work that much. I, there's not enough that I can do. So God is in debt to me. He is not in debt to me. It's not by works of righteousness which we've done. Our, our human righteousness is like filthy rags in the sight of God according to the prophet Isaiah chapter 64 and verse number 6. There's like filthy rags. And you may be a good person in a lot of ways. But if you've not come to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the cross of Christ, you need Him and He loves you and He wants to save you. But it's not because of all the good things you're doing in the community or for your family. Not even the good things that you're doing to, to help people that are unfortunate. It's not by your works. It's by what Jesus did at the cross. He loved us. And he saved us by his mercy. By his pity. He said man can't save himself. I want to save man. He can't do it himself. Ephesians 2, chapter 2 and verse 4 says, God is rich in mercy. And I am so thankful for God's mercy. So he saved us not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by his mercy, by the washing of regeneration. Adam Clark was a, is a noted uh, author, uh, wrote a series of commentaries. I think his religious background was, uh, was uh, the, in the Methodist church, if I recall correctly. And in commenting on this passage, Adam Clark says, this means baptism. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask you a question. How close is Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 to Titus 3 and verse 5. 
Titus 3 and verse 5 says he saved us how? By his mercy. We're saved by God's grace and by his mercy. By the washing of regeneration. And by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now let's ask Titus 3, 5. Now listen to Acts 2, 38. Repent and be baptized. Adam Clark says that means baptism. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. To be saved. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Someone says, well, do you believe that, Brother Lambert? That when you believe and are baptized, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? I believe what the Bible says, and I believe Titus 3 and 5, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it doesn't mean it's in a miraculous thing at all. We're told that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, but we're told further that John, after he began to preach, did no miracle. He may have had the Holy Spirit. You can have it without being it be miraculous in nature. And there are reasons that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives as Christians. One being that He intercedes on our behalf, Acts chapter, or rather Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. And He is our earnest of our inheritance, Ephesians chapter 1. There are many reasons that, 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 that things that are done by, for us on our behalf by having the Holy Spirit in our lives and the evidence that we have the renewing of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit that is born out in our daily lives at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And so we're saved from our sins. We are saved by the, renew by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about our position, and that's in verse number 7, that being justified by His grace, and the word justified means just as if I had never done it. If you're justified, it's just like you'd never sinned before. And we're justified by His grace. How are we justified by His grace? We're justified by His grace when we take, when we when we apply the gift of God's grace, Jesus, to our sins, when we come to the foot of the cross and we yield our will to the Father's will and say to Him, Father, not my will, but Your will be done in my life. We need to stop telling God what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and ask God, now what do you want me to do, Lord? You, you tell me what to do, Lord. I'm not the one that's in control because you are. So he says we're saved by, by grace. We should be, and then he says, justified by his grace, we should be made what? Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We're heirs of God. I asked someone the other day in a class, what, what, is it, what is an heir? I said, now I did not say what is a hair. I said, what is an heir? H-E-I-R. Well, that's, they, they said, well, that's someone that's subject to receive something from someone when they die. Well, that, that, that's true. And we are heirs. We are heirs of God. 
We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. We're heirs of God. And we're heirs of God because we have become children of God. Now, what are the conditions of our becoming an heir of God? It's not our ancestry. Somebody says, well, you know, I think everything is okay. I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, because my grandfather was a preacher. And he was even a preacher in the church of Christ. Well, do you go to church? No. Uh, have you ever become a Christian? No, but I think everything is going to be all right with me because my grandfather was a preacher. I hate to tell you this, but you're not going to be an heir of God Almighty just because of who your ancestors were. Jesus came to the Jews, certain Jews that believed on him. He said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they turned around and said, hey, wait a minute. We've never, we're children of Abraham. And we've never been in bondage to any man, and you tell us we're going to be made free. They thought just because they were ancestors of Abraham, the headed maid. You, your mother may be a Christian. Your father may be a Christian. Your brothers and sisters may be Christians. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be saved. That doesn't mean you're going to be an heir of God. Er, worldly wisdom, they'll well not do it. You see, the world as a whole thinks Christianity is foolish to begin with. It's the foolishness of God that's going to save us. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 said that, that God in His wisdom, through the preaching, the foolishness of preaching, chose to save them that believe. Now, it's not by preaching foolishness that God is going to save men. It's by what the world considers to be foolish. The preaching of the gospel seems to be a very foolish thing to men, but that's how God's going to save the world. You're not going to be saved by worldly wisdom, nor will you be saved because long prayers that you pray. I've seen some people pray some mighty long prayers about the second sermon I ever attempted to preach. The old brother that led the prayer that Sunday morning prayed longer than I preached. Now, I didn't preach a very long sermon, mind you, but he prayed a pretty long prayer. It's okay to do that. There's not anything wrong with it. But you could pray from now until the Lord comes back and still not be an heir of God. You've got to be in the family. And so... You've got to be born again. Jesus said, you must be born again. That's found in John, the third chapter, and verse number seven. Jesus, Jesus did not say it would be nice if you were born again. Jesus did not say it's a good idea for you to be born again. Jesus did not say it is my suggestion to you now that you be born again. Jesus said, you must be born again. There in John, the third chapter, Jesus uh, was confronted by a man by the name of Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus by night. And he said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles thou doest, except God be with him. 
And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now to see the kingdom of God meant to enjoy all the benefits, the pleasures, and the joys of the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus didn't understand, so he asked this question, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see, Jesus was thinking about a spiritual birth. Nicodemus was thinking about a fleshly birth. But Jesus then said, except a man, this is verse 5, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. The, the way we become children of God is by being born into his family. That's the very thing that Paul wrote about in the third chapter of the Galatian letter. Verse 26 and following. For you're all the children of God. See, they had been born again. You're all the children of God. How? By faith in whom? In Christ Jesus. For, for as many of you as have been, that's past tense, something they had done, as have been baptized into Christ, did put on Christ. Nicodemus was told he had to be born of water and of the Spirit. I believe the Bible is the best commentary on itself. And I believe Galatians 3, 26, 27 is an, is an explanation, if not a commentary, on John chapter 3, verse number 5. You see, to be an heir of God, we must be born again. And then, according to Paul in Romans chapter 5 and verse 2, we are heirs of His grace. Then according to Paul in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, if he's the writer of the book of Hebrews, we become heirs of salvation. Then according to Galatians 3.29, we're heirs of promise. Then according to John chapter, James chapter 2 and verse 5, we're heirs of the kingdom. And then Titus 3 and verse 7, we're heirs of eternal life. Are you an heir of God? Are you in the family of God? If not, this is a good day for you to do something about it. Suppose you were told that you were an heir of the late Henry Ford. It just been determined that you're an heir of the late Henry Ford. Would you get excited about all of that? That, that maybe you're going to have a piece of the pie? That you might get excited. I don't think it's important you're being excited about it because I doubt seriously that you're an heir of the late Henry Ford. But there's something that's greater than that, and that's to be an heir of God Almighty, to be a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ, because then and only then are we subject to receive that wonderful eternal inheritance on the other side of life. But what about my participation? In verse number 8, we're told about that. He says, this is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain, and that word means to superintend, to keep up good works. And these things are good and profitable unto men. You see, I'm to maintain good works. Being a Christian is not living a life in a vacuum. It's not living a life isolated away from humanity. 
But being a Christian is not living a life where you're isolated from other people in life. We're to, we, we are to be involved in the lives of others and we're to maintain good works. Well, well, a good work is just strictly that. It's a good work. We're created in Christ Jesus under good works, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I dare say that, that, that there are many of you that do good works all the time. You help your neighbors. You help people that are sick. There's so many good things that you do for the community. You do good things for your family. You do good things for extended family members. Maybe go see people in the hospital, go to the nursing home to visit people. There's so many good things that we can do that are called good works. And, and we read about a woman that died in Acts the ninth chapter. And her name was Dorcas. And the Bible said that she was full of good works. And all it, may it be said that when we leave this world that we were, were full of good works, that we perform good deeds, we help people all the time. It is our portion to do that. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men especially under those who are the household of faith. I think we're especially to look out for other Christians. But we as Christians are to help all men, regardless of who they are. And one of the greatest things we'll ever do is to be involved in making other people have opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16 and verse 15. And you can help someone by just picking up your telephone and letting them know that they can hear and watch Getting to Know Your Bible uh, and tell them the day and tell them the time they can watch Getting to Know Your Bible. What a great thing you can do. And it may result in someone going to heaven one day. So that's our, that is our participation. We're to be involved in good works doing all the good we can for as long as we can to as many people as we can. There are a lot of children that need help today, children that need school supplies, children that need lunches to eat at school, children whose parents are not able to provide all the necessities that they need for life because times are not the best in the world today. There are so many things that we can do to help other people. But then there's our prophet in verse 8. He said, These things are good and profitable unto all. And indeed, it's good to be a Christian. It, is the, it, is, it pays to be a Christian. It pays physically to be a Christian, mentally to be a Christian. It pays economically to live the Christian life. And of course, it pays eternally to be a Christian. Are you one today? If not, this is a good time to make that decision for Christ. Obey Him by believing on Jesus and repenting of your sins and be willing to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. I want to thank you for watching today and we want to encourage you to call for the free Bible course. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you is my fervent prayer. 
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.